We turn in God's Word this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. <coughs> 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. We'll be reading the first 13 verses this morning. Uh, this is, we are making our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you're visiting with us, um, this is where in God's providence we are this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let us hear then the very word of God to us. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, Now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through the honor and dishonor, through the slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Thus far the reading of... God's Word. Dear Lord, we thank you for these words that you have given us to hear, to understand, to learn from, and we pray that you all enlighten us this day through Pastor Bob as you did the Corinthians of old. We ask that you will bless this word unto us, guide us as we go onward in this new week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our text this morning is that which is found there in that second verse. Behold... Now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What we want to do is to look at the rest of the section that I read out of 2 Corinthians in light of that. That seems to be Paul's central thought here. And behold, now is the day of salvation. And we want to do that by looking at a past prophecy, first of all. Secondly, we want to look at the present reality. And thirdly, we want to look at the continuing reminder that is given to us in God's Word as well. First of all, that this is a past prophecy. You'll note that uh, just before this expression there in verse 2, we have a quote. And the quote is from Isaiah chapter 49, verse 8. And I just ask you to turn back to that. For just a minute, because if Paul's quoting it, if Paul's saying, 
hey, there's this whole thing about now is the day of salvation. And I'm, and I'm getting that out of Isaiah chapter 49. Then we ought to pay attention to what's going on in Isaiah. Now, there's three things to note about this passage, Isaiah 49, verse 8. The first thing to note is the context of where this comes in the book of Isaiah. If you know the story of Isaiah, in the very first part, not only do we have that call and that vision that he has in the temple and then the call of who shall go for me, but Isaiah's like, I'm not going to listen. I can go, Lord, but I know these stubborn people. I know your people. I know what they're like. They're not going to listen. And the Lord, for chapter after chapter after chapter, commissions Isaiah to go to his people, give them this message. And it is a message of judgment. It's a message of judgment on their sins for a whole variety of things that are going on within the nation at the time of Isaiah. Chapter after chapter after chapter, it's one of the things that makes preaching on Isaiah difficult because if, if you took every, even if you took every chapter and preached a sermon on every chapter, what you'd be left with is probably 25 straight sermons of gloom and doom. That was his message. The Lord filled Isaiah with his spirit to go out into the nation of Judah and proclaim his judgment upon their sins. Not the Babylonians, not the Syrians, not the Egyptians, although they get called in as well. God doesn't forget about them. But it focuses mainly on his own people. But now the quote is from chapter 49. Something has changed. The change took place at chapter 40. Suddenly, the message that Isaiah is to bring is no longer a message of gloom and doom and judgment, which was right, which was righteous of God, which was just of God. These people had sinned. They had separated themselves from God in that life. Suddenly, here comes Chapter 40, God's message. Go, Isaiah, go to the people. Say to the people, preach to the people this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry for her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And from chapter 40 on, Isaiah is given this message of glorious hope. After God's judgment will come salvation. Now, when you go to chapter 49, and chapter 49 is part of this, this whole section now of the book of Isaiah that is filled with this hope and promise. 
people of Judah. When you come to 49, that's getting narrowed down a little bit. God is now revealing through Isaiah the means through which this comfort comes. This means through which this salvation comes. And in chapter 49, he's speaking about the one who is the servant of the Lord. A prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ. So in the midst of this message of hope, the hope comes from the one who is the Messiah. And God comes then in verse 8 and says, Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish this land to apportion the desolate heritage, saying to the prisoners, come out. These are words that God promises. Promises to the Messiah. Promises to the one who is going to fulfill perfectly his will. And the promises are, I have answered, I have helped, I will keep, I will give. And as those promises are given to the Messiah, they are given to the people who belong to Messiah as well. So it's out of this context, okay, out of this totality of looking at the chapter, out of those specific promises, that we now go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is what Paul is referring to. He's writing to the Corinthians about that prophecy. Now I should add one more point here in regards to this first section. God also gave them a hint of what was coming. Because you see, these words are written in Isaiah here after God has said, you're going to go into captivity. Babylon's going to destroy you. But after a period of time, I'm going to raise up a man by the name of Cyrus, and he will deliver you. He will allow you to go back. God is saying, look, I'm going to picture what I'm going to do for you spiritually by what I do for you as a nation. I'm going to raise up for you a deliverer from an unexpected source. You wouldn't think to be looking to Cyrus to be the one to release you. But I'm going to raise up Cyrus. Cyrus is going to be the one who's going to issue the edict that's going to allow you to come back from this captivity. That, Isaiah is saying to the people of Judah, is, is a foreshadowing. That's a picture. That's not the fulfillment. That's not the completion that was just a foreshadowing of what God was going to do through the Messiah, through the Christ, through the Anointed One. Not a political reestablishment, but a spiritual reestablishment. So that Jeremiah will say, I will write my laws upon their hearts. Spirit will be poured out. So now comes Paul to the Corinthians. You know 
as we have talked about, as we deal with this present reality now, what's going on here in 2 Corinthians 6, you know that there, the relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church, as we've covered in weeks past, has not been harmonious and peaceful as, as, as it could have been. There's some friction going on there. There's been charges leveled at Paul. Part of the reason 2 Corinthians is written is it's Paul's defense of his ministry there in Corinth, of the continuing ministry through others who have come, and a defense of what he wrote in 1 Corinthians. Some perhaps were offended by what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. They didn't like it. They didn't like the way Paul came off. They it didn't agree with their theology, and so they're angry with Paul, they're upset with Paul, they're looking for any opportunity they have to go after Paul. Others have come in, Judaizers, who are trying to take this church of Corinth back, back into legalism, back into that kind of pharisaical type of legalism that is, that is saying that salvation is possible only through obedience to the law. And if you aren't obedient to the law, then there is no possible way of salvation. And Paul, in all his preaching about grace and mercy and love, is leading you down a false path. Paul, in this passage, in this book, is defending himself against that. Here, Paul is talking about the fact that, that we, he, chapter 5, had been given this great commission to be an ambassador for Christ. And what he's saying to the Corinthians is this. Open up your hearts. Widen your hearts. And receive God's truth. For now is the day of salvation. So let's take that phrase. What do we mean? The now. What does Paul mean? For now is the day of salvation. Why now? Because what Paul is referring to is the fact that this is now the time to proclaim the gospel. That's kind of been his theme for several chapters now, hasn't it? The glorious message, the, the being the ambassadors, that sweet aroma, the, the Jesus story, the Christ story, that the Father, oh, loves to smell, loves to hear about that which his son has done. Well, Paul, what Paul is saying is, you see, in Isaiah, that was looking forward. But now it has come. Jesus Christ has come into this world. He has become the incarnate son of God. The voice in the wilderness has cried, prepare a way for him. That has been fulfilled. Christ has come. He has lived his perfect life. He has died upon the cross. He has rose victorious from the grave. He has ascended into heaven. He has commissioned his church. He has sent his spirit. This is the gospel. And it's now. It's not like the church and the work of missions and the work of a pastor and the work of every single believer has to wait for something else to happen. It is now. Now is the time of proclamation. Now is the time. 
when the gospel needs to be taken to the nations. Now, Corinthians, you need to listen. Now, now, now. And there is an urging, isn't there, in this chapter. There is a pleading of Paul. We see a man whose heart is rending, whose heart is open before them. And he's urging them, open your hearts to this gospel message. Now. Now. Second, there is a call here, isn't there? Behold. Behold, now. Why does Paul begin that? Some of your versions perhaps have the term, look. It's almost like the way we might express it. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. See what's before you. See the glorious truth that God has given. Open your eyes. Open your ears. Hear the message of the gospel. There is a call there of, look, of listen, hear the voice of the Lord. It's it's a pay attention. Pay attention, believer. Pay attention, covenant child. Pay attention, unbeliever. Pay attention. Now is the day of salvation. Today. This is not something to put off for tomorrow. Nor do we rest upon yesterday. It is the eternal present reality. Our salvation is not a past act. Our salvation is not that in the future. Our salvation is a present reality. Now is is the day of salvation. I know some of you get these CDs and you pass them on, and I'm not always sure where you you pass these on. Maybe it's some of you have an unbelieving friend that you're concerned about. If that's what you're doing, if that's what some of you are doing, I'd urge you to take this one, not because this is such a fabulous sermon, but because this is of such a necessity. Now is the day of salvation. Look, look, behold, pay attention. Now is the day. We've had in our community several tragic accidents down the road here. Six Mile, Fruit Ridge. In a moment, in an instant, life gone. No more now. See, there's no more now. Yesterday morning, our Beyond group, we went to Chicago yesterday for the day and And the way at about the new Buffalo exit, we came across an accident. It had just happened. There were no emergency personnels there yet. No, No first responders. There were no police cars. Nothing there. 
And you, you come across this scene, and you're, if you remember yesterday morning and about that new buffalo that we were getting a lot of those waves of sleet and so on, so you're kind of cautious as to where you are, and you're slowing down because you see all this commotion. There's cars over here in the median. There's cars on the other side as well. Two young men. Don't know exactly, but it would appear lost control of their vehicle slid underneath that semi-trailer and died. There's no more now. I don't know if they were believers in Christ or not. One would pray that hopefully their families have that trust, have that promise of God's Word in a moment. And I know that for some of you is beyond because it's going to be forever a picture in my mind. You see, we came across so soon they hadn't even covered the window yet. And it was obvious death had come. It's no more now. We don't control that, do we? We don't control that icy strip. We don't control that drunk driver coming and T-boning us. We don't control that heart attack. We don't control all of those factors. That's why the urgency of the message. Look, behold, now is the day of salvation. This is not something for yesterday. This is not something for tomorrow. This is something for today. Behold, now, now is the day of salvation. See, there, there's, there's a pleading here on the part of Paul. There's an awareness on the part of Paul. But Paul is not addressing. Paul is not addressing these folks in Corinth as if they were unbelievers. He's not looking at the church and going, you bunch of heathen pagans, you don't know Christ. I know you're in the church, but now is the day of salvation. Come on, get it right. That's not what Paul is doing here. Now, is that applicable to the unbeliever who does not know Christ? Well, of course we would say, look, now, today is the day of salvation. Rightly understanding Baptism would lead us as well to look at our covenant children and to say, are you listening, son? Are you listening, daughter? Are you hearing what the Word is saying? Now is the day of salvation. Where are you with Christ? What are you doing with Christ? Have you taken ownership of Christ? Have you confessed Christ before men so that He will confess you before your Father in heaven? There are no whisperings in heaven. Christ doesn't go, hey, Father, this is what you're We have a lot of, in our churches, a lot of silent covenant children. Silence doesn't cut it. Whoever confesses me before men, 
I will confess before my Father in heaven. Sure, we apply it that way. But do you apply it to believers as well? Yes. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, that gets us to our third point. The continual reminder. The continual reminder. See, we've got to come back to that word is. Now is the day of salvation. Not only for the unbeliever. Not only for our covenant children who need to still make a confession of Christ. But it's true for every single one of us. Every time the gospel is proclaimed, what is the responsibility for you as a believer? You say, well, no, I accepted Christ 20 years ago. I I don't have a response. Oh, no. Every time the gospel is proclaimed, what is your responsibility? You have to receive it as the word of God. You have to receive it as if it were the very first time. We have to receive it with a newness, with a freshness. Every time we walk out of this place, we go, yes, that was the gospel. And I believe the gospel. I accept the gospel. Today is the day of salvation. I'm saved today. Some of you have been in other experiences of life and other church places know that, especially in non-reformed communities, know that you know the, 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 the lingo is I walked the aisle 30 years ago. I don't, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do anything today. No, now is the day of salvation. It is the ever-present reality of the gospel that God comes to us with. So every time the gospel is preached, every time God's word is taught, Every time you read God's Word, there is a newness and a freshness. There is the way in which you must look at that passage and say, I believe it. I'm beholding it. I'm receiving from God and from His Spirit this Gospel message as I received it the very first time time I knew and understood and comprehended it. Now is. See, and that's what Paul is urging to these Corinthians, these believers in the church at Corinth. Receive, receive with with that newness. It's the gospel. Gospel message of God's love. The continuing reminder. Isn't that what God has also provided us in this meal? Isn't that what God is doing? A continual reminder that now is the day of salvation. This is not just a historic event. Okay, We talk about this with our young people when they come for a profession of faith. That this is not just a historic event. We're not just looking back in time and history some 2,000 years ago to some event in the upper room. Yes, that's a part of it. 
And yes, we're, we're thinking about this meal in terms of glory, in terms of I shall not eat this again with you until I come into my kingdom. We're, we're thinking about it in terms of that. But we're also thinking about it in the terms of the present reality. Right here, right now, we are remembering. No, we're not doing more than remembering. We are experiencing, by faith, being spiritually by Christ. What does he spiritually feed us here at this table? What is it we walk away from this table being fed with? Grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, pardon, cleansing, are those not all words that we would use to describe salvation? I'm not saying we're saved through this. Christ feeds us, nurtures us, builds us, strengthens us. Now, today, He wants us to grow into that eternal is of our salvation. Now is, now is. The day in which Christ desires feed you and I. But there is a third, and with this we close. There is the continuing reminder. It's our third point. In the word is, in the sacrament but also in our perseverance. See, you, you, you might wonder, what does the rest of that section I read have to do with it? What the rest of it is this. Paul is saying, in all of the difficulties, in all of the problems, in all of the struggles that I face, even though I have nothing, <laughs> I really have everything. I have my salvation. You can beat me, but you can't take away my salvation. You can imprison me, but you can't take away my salvation. No one, no one can snatch us out of the Father's hands. No one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your reminder this morning from your word, from the table, and from our own lives. When we see you, Father, persevering, where we see your truth triumphing through us, even as Luther wrote. So we come to this table, Father, rejoicing in our salvation. A salvation that's not past, it's not future, but a salvation that is our present reality. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.